following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know him and make him known. Aaron and I like to watch a lot of like home improvement shows. That's just, that's what we do and we're sitting church around by Erie, ourselves. Um, we enjoy watching them take, you know, old spaces and make them look nice. One of the shows we like is actually a little bit different. It's called Help I Wrecked My House, which is where people like me, who have no idea what they're doing, go in and go, I can do this. And they start ripping out walls and and pulling out plumbing and messing with electrical. And they get to a point to where they look and they go, I can't put this back together. And so then they call in a professional and the professionals come in and and fix what's wrong. And one of the things that often happens, and and you see this a lot, and if you know anything about construction, you understand this. One of the things that happens is they'll walk into a house and they've torn out, you know, like three walls. And the professional will look at it and go, yeah, this was load bearing. (laughs) And if you don't know what load bearing means, it means it's something that bears the load of what's above it. You take out a load-bearing wall and the, everything above it, whatever floor, whatever ceiling is, can just collapse. It falls right in. You can't just remove them. Now, you can take out load-bearing walls. You just have to replace them with something else that gives the structure the support it needs. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, we talked two weeks ago about how our focus is to be raised, to be set on Christ, to be set on things above. And then last week in verses five through 11, Paul told us that this would lead us to act in such a way and to see our our lives and our nature in such a way that we would put to death the old way of living, that we would take those old ways and we would just remove them from our lives because they are so inconsistent with what we see when our vision is set above. But like a load-bearing wall, If we just remove the old nature, we're likely to be met with disaster. Because what happens for us is we remove those things. We will just fill them with other things from the old nature. Those other things, those old things will just creep in over time. No, what we have to do is not just remove the old, but we have to replace it with something that gives us a better structure. We remove the old nature and we bring in the new nature that we are given through Jesus Christ. And so as we look at Colossians chapter three, verses 12 through 17, I want you to ask yourselves, are are we living in the new nature? Yes, we know who Jesus Christ is and we know those bad things in the way we used to live and we're trying to avoid those, sure. But are we living in the new nature? Or are we just living in this void that will sooner or later come crashing down on us? Paul's going to get into this conversation here, this discussion about the new nature. And he's going to start by telling us just what this new nature is. And in verses 12 and 13, Paul's going to show us the characteristics of the new nature. The characteristics of the new nature. Verses 12 and 13. He says, therefore, right? And again, therefore points back to what we've already talked about. Our vision is set above on things above, not on things below. And that vision helps us to remove the old from our lives, to put to death those old ways. 
Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. The characteristics of the new nature. Paul gives us another imperative command. We talked about his imperative commands last week of putting to death the old nature, of putting away the things that are of that nature. And here he says in the same way, he says, put on, put on. And in fact, some of your Bibles may even translate this as clothe yourselves. He's carrying on this this same metaphor of clothing, removing the old clothing that doesn't fit us anymore and putting on this new clothing, this better clothing. And he describes these new clothes as being characterized by compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Think about that for a second. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Is there anything that looks less like the world we live in today than these five? These are the ways of the new nature, not the ways of the old. He goes on, he says, listen, when we live these out, when we put these on, when these are what identify us in the world, then we will display the characters of the new nature. How will we do it? And he gives us two examples. He says, we will display these things when we bear with and forgive one another. Verse 13, he says, you live out these things. You show that you you understand compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience by bearing with and forgiving one another. Growing up, sports, as many of you know, was was very important to me. And I played basketball, ran cross-country and track through middle school, high school. Uh, I I ran cross-country and track in college. I went on to coach college cross-country and track. So what I, the reason I tell you that is I have been in so many schools, I can't even count. I've been in Erie Elementary School and I've been in the University of Alabama athletic facilities. No matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how unimpressive or how impressive an athletic department or a school is, you know what they all have in common? Trophy cases. You will find a trophy case in every school and every athletic department you go to, no matter how big, no matter how small the school. You know why? Because winning is good, but we like to show off the hardware. You play the game to win, but once you've won, you want to show that you won. By Christ's empowerment, we put on the characteristics of the new nature. We should be excited to show that off to the world. Not because it's about how good we are or how great a person we are or how perfectly we understand what God has said, but because we are excited to show the difference Jesus Christ makes in our lives. How do we do that? We follow Paul's advice here. How do we show that new nature? We bear with one another and we forgive one another. Okay, how does that work? Let's talk about what does it mean to bear with 
one another. To bear with someone means to offer the same enduring and inexhaustible grace that God has given you. How do you bear with someone? Show the same enduring and inexhaustible grace God has given you. Look around the room for a second. Just look at the people around. We in this room are not all going to be best friends. It's just not going to happen. Right? We've, we've got 170-some people who are associated with this church. You're not going to be best friends with all those people. In fact, and let me say this, and this might be a little unpopular for me to say, but there's going to be people in this church family that you don't enjoy. <laughs> and you know what? Some people in this church family probably don't enjoy you. That's just the reality. Now, that's not an excuse for us to be mean to people we don't get along with or people that we just don't connect with. But the idea of bearing with is not about a personal closeness. The point of bearing with is that regardless of our personal compatibility, we actively look to show compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience to all. That's really easy to do with your friends, isn't it? It's really easy to do with some of your family. But when we talk about the people we don't necessarily get along with, that's when this becomes real. That's when you bear with, when you show that compassion, that kindness, that humility, that gentleness, and that patience. Not because you like that person necessarily or you get along with them or you click, but because they are there and for no other reason. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 19, God speaks to the Israelites and he says, listen, you are to love the resident alien since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. What does that have to do with bearing with? Well, here's the thing. The resident alien was not part of the community of the Jews. The resident alien was not a chosen child of God to be a part of the people of Israel, but they were there. And God says, you're not to love them because they are just like you. You love them because they are there with an enduring and an inexhaustible grace. The same enduring and inexhaustible grace God has loved you with. We bear with. Second, we forgive. I know some of you are like, you talk about this all the time. I feel like every week we're talking about forgiveness. Yes. And you know what? I'm going to keep doing it because it is that important. Because the reality is in the world we live in, you will be hurt. I will be hurt. Every single one of us will suffer at the hands of others. You can't control that. But you know what we can't control? How we respond. The new nature acknowledges the depth of our hurts. The new nature doesn't say, oh yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah, I was hurt, but it, it doesn't matter. No, the new nature acknowledges the depth 
of the pain that we feel. But one, the new, the new nature always remembers the depth with which Christ has forgiven it. I love the way the psalmist David says it in Psalm 32, verse one and two. He says, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is the person who the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. David understands the depth with which he's been forgiven. He knows how badly he messes up in life. Sometimes it takes him a little while to get there, but he understands and he knows how great God's forgiveness is. The new nature recognizes how greatly we have been forgiven, how little we deserve the love, the grace, and the mercy that God pours out on us so richly. It remembers the depth of its forgiveness, but to the new nature, then extends the same forgiveness to others. Listen, if we realize how greatly we offend God, how greatly we have rejected him, how often we have turned from him, when he has been nothing but love us perfectly, how could we withhold that same forgiveness to those whom we have loved imperfectly? Because there is never anything anyone can do to you that is worse than what you and I have done to Jesus Christ. It doesn't diminish your hurts, right? I'm not saying, well, you haven't really been hurt that bad. It's, come on, get over it. No. Some of you have been deeply wounded in ways that the rest of us would not wish on our worst enemy. But even that pales in comparison to the fact that your sin and my sin nailed a perfect savior to a cross. In the new nature, we bear with one another and we forgive one another. If you want to wrestle with this this week, here's the question you wrestle with. Would our non-best friend types, would our non-best friend types describe us as patient, enduring, and forgiving? Our best, our, our best friend, friend types would, right? People that we really love and we really take care of. Of course they would. But would our non-best friend types describe us as patient, enduring, and forgiving? So we know what the new nature looks like. Paul says this is, this is what it looks like. How do we get there? Paul gives us the answer in verse 14, where he shows us the means of the new nature. The means of the new nature in verse 14. He begins, he says, above all. Let that sink in for a second. Above all. Above everything else you do. The ways you conduct yourself. Above all. Put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. Knowing and grasping the new nature all comes down to this command. Above all, 
put on love. Paul proclaims the supremacy of Christ-like love above everything else. Why? If I say Christ-like love is, is supreme, we put it above everything else. That's, duh. You're gonna go, I know that. Tell me something I don't know. But have we ever thought about why that is? For one, Christ-like love is the fulfillment of the law. Romans 13, verse 8 through 10, Paul writes, Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and any other commandment are summed up by this commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. If we loved, if we loved God first and others second, we would have no trouble with any of the commandments of Scripture. We would not struggle one bit because love is the fulfillment of the law. The problem is we don't always love well. And so we try to work our way around the commandments to suit our needs as opposed to looking to the Lord first and to others second. But love is the fulfillment of the law. Second, love is the greatest of faith, hope, and love. We know 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13 says what? Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Love is supreme. Faith is an important thing, right? Wouldn't we all say faith is a, a, a very significant, important thing in our lives? Isn't hope an important thing to have? How do you operate without any kind of hope, especially in the world in which we live? You, you can't. And yet as important as those are of faith, hope, and love, love is greater than faith and hope. Love it's a fulfillment of the law. Love is the greatest of faith, hope, and love. Third, love is the way of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, again, Paul says, Be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love. As Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. It's love. Jesus sacrificed in love for us, for an unworthy recipient of his love. That kind of love is the way of Christ. And so Paul says, love is the means by which we know and live in the new nature. Famed psychologist, Abraham Maslow is, is credited with this saying that, that you may have heard paraphrased in different ways, but, but he said this, if all you have is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Meaning whatever comes up, whatever tools are available to you emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, you will use only the tools that you have because you can't use the ones you don't have. If all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. But there's a flip side of that that is implied if we really think about it. 
If all you have is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. Also means that if you don't have a screwdriver, no problem looks like a screw. If we lack love, we will never engage the new nature because we can't. If we lack love, this thing that we are told to put on above all else, how can we ever live out the new nature? You see, knowledge is good. Intentional religious rituals are meaningful. Sacrifice is commendable. But if our activity is not bound up with and geared towards the perfect love of Jesus Christ, then our actions are absolutely and utterly meaningless. Again, go back to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. And if you remember 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's talking about all the spiritual gifts, all these amazing things that we get to do because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. You remember how he ends chapter 12? He says, hold on. Before you get all caught up in that stuff, let me show you the most excellent way. And then in verses one through three, he says, if I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong, gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and if I give my body over in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. New nature behavior devoid of love is at best useless and at worst hypocrisy. Love is the means of the new nature. So what is this Christ-like love? Simple definition I teach to my kids is this. Love is seeking the best for others. You want a simple functional definition of what love is. Seeking the best for others. This is what Jesus does for us. Jesus going to the cross was not best for him. To take the undeserved beatings and crucifixion, that's not best for him. He sought the best for us and sacrificed himself for the best of us. We are to show Jesus' love to others by seeking their best. Now notice, seeking the best for others has nothing to do with our personal assessment of other people or our personal compatibility with them. Notice that it has nothing to do with my gifts, my desires, or my comfort level with what God has called me to do. Notice it has nothing to do with any specific action or some goal that I have in my head of what this is going to be. Instead, it has everything to do with intentional service to the needs of others. Love drives the new nature because it moves the focus off of us and it allows us to rightfully fulfill our calling, to rely on true grace, and to serve others as Christ has served us. You want to know the joy of putting on that better clothing, 
that clothing that actually fits who you have become in Jesus Christ. Learn to set aside your desires. Learn to set aside your ideals. Learn to set aside your standards of how people should be or how they should look or how they should act and learn to just love them. Because without that love, you're never going to put on the new nature. Do we actively seek to love others in a way that reflects Jesus Christ as we go through our everyday lives? The means of the new nature is love. Well, finally, with a grasp on what the new nature is and and how we put it on, Paul tells us the benefit of rejecting the old nature and, and putting on the new. In verses 15 through 17, where he shows us the results of the new nature. The results of the new nature. Verse 15 through 17. He says, And let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, there's a few words you heard me emphasize as I read through that. And what we should see in this is that this entire section is built on gratitude. What's the result within us in the new nature? It is gratitude. A person living in the new nature is a person who lives in a state of gratitude. And this is understood in, in three areas in, in each one of these verses. In verse 15, he says, the peace of Christ Christ ruling in our hearts brings us gratitude. It brings us gratitude because it reminds us that we're not in control and we're not in charge and it's not our standards that are the standards. This gives us peace in the moment because if Christ is ruling and reigning, then he has given us everything we need. He has provided for us right now and it gives us a a, a gratitude into eternity because he has saved us, right? If he is ruling in our hearts and we have submitted ourselves to his authority and we have received salvation in Jesus Christ, our eternity is secure in him. So the peace of Christ brings us gratitude. In verse 16, he says, the word of Christ. And he says, the, in the word of Christ. And, he, and he's talking about how we, we teach, how we encourage one another, how we sing together. He says, everything that comes out of our mouth should be reflective of the word of Christ. And notice that what he's talking about here is not about intake. It's all about outpouring. He's not saying, know a lot in your mind about the word of Christ. Know know everything you, you can possibly know intellectually, and that'll be enough. No, he says, whatever you know must come out, not just to spew information, but to encourage, to build up, to be one who reminds your, your brothers and sisters in Christ of the hope and the joy and the peace that is found in Christ. 
living this out in speech, right? teaching, encouraging, and in song. Right? Why do we sing when we get together like this? It's to build one another up. It's to encourage one another. We talk about this with the worship team a lot. Like, and, and, and even this morning, having mentioned it, that, that sometimes we don't feel what we're singing. Right? Sometimes you have that song where you're like, I don't feel like Jesus is good to me today. You know the best time to sing a song that says God is good? When you don't feel like God is good in the moment. We sing to proclaim the truth of who God is to our own hearts, to our brothers and sisters sitting around us, and to a world that watches us from afar. And when that word of truth, that word of Christ, is, is, is just instilled deep inside of us, we become grateful. Because we understand that no matter how we're feeling in the moment, we have a God who is good, who has provided for us, who takes care of us. The peace of Christ, the word of Christ. Verse 17, he says, the name of Christ. He talks about the name of Christ. Name in the biblical sense is not just the name Jesus or the name Christ or the name Jonathan. The name is synonymous with the nature of Christ. This is talking about who Christ is, not who we feel him to be, not who we wish him to be, but who he is, the name of Christ. Jesus is the source of every belief, every thought, and every action in our lives. Everything we do in word or deed, is to be a response of gratitude to who Jesus is because we understand that he has loved us, that he has redeemed us, that he has saved us. By the peace, the word, and the name of Christ, we rejoice in gratitude. And that can be a hard thing for us because for every single one of us in this room, our natural state is not gratitude. We are not naturally grateful. We are naturally selfish and impatient and self-righteous. You don't have to say amen to that. <laughs> we are ungrateful because we are naturally inwardly focused. Right? If I asked you about the movie of your life, who would be the star of the movie of your life? Some of you know that like, this is a game and you're supposed to say Jesus. But most of us would say, it's me. I'm the star, I'm the center of my story. No, you're not. <laughs> it is Jesus. But we are naturally inclined to that selfishness, that self-centered nature. But in Christ, our eyes and our hearts become open to the immense glory and goodness of our God and of the great and awesome love with which he has loved us. Through Christ, we begin to see how much this God who's powerful enough to create the heavens and the earth and create us from nothing still sees fit to want a relationship with us I mean, think about that. That's like me going out in the parking lot, picking up a handful of dirt and going, I want a relationship with this. And even offering that relationship to us, instead, we turn away from him. We reject him. I got a better way, God. I got it figured out. I can handle this on my own. 
And yet, his enduring and inexhaustible love continues to cover over us and pursue us. And he continues to wrap his arms around us and love us in ways that make no earthly sense whatsoever. To the point that Jesus came, lived perfectly, died sacrificially, rose victoriously to deliver us completely from the sin and death that we have entangled ourselves in. Listen, if you've got nothing else going on in your life, you can be grateful for that. And we should be overwhelmingly grateful for God's love. But what do we do with that? Like, that's great, right? You're like, amen. God loves me. I should be grateful. Now what? Well, okay, let's talk about this. Let me give you a couple, just real quick, let me give you a, a, a couple of ways you can go about growing and implementing acts of gratitude in your life this week. And this is far from a, a complete list. I'm not saying these are the only ways, but, but if you're like, I don't know where to start, here's where you start, okay? First, maybe, maybe try this. Think back, call a friend, call a, an old teacher, call a mentor, Call uh, 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 someone you knew in ministry long ago and just call them on the phone and tell them, hey, I am so grateful for your presence in my life at a formative time. Think about how that person impacted you, changed your life in some small or big way and express that gratitude. Maybe, maybe this week, find some time to sit down and write a letter or a card, handwrite it. I love computers. I do most of my work on a computer, but there is something unique that happens neurologically and spiritually and emotionally when we process things in our head and push it out through our hand and write by hand. So find some time this week, write a a letter or a card to someone who has displayed Christ-likeness in a way that you've observed and you were encouraged by, or maybe you were challenged by. Just write them that note and say, hey, thank you for showing this. Maybe you need to find someone in your life and just sit down with them and, and find some time to tell them a few ways that God has been good to you. Maybe some ways God has shown up in the middle of a difficult or trying season or experience in your life. These kind of things are not difficult in the new nature, even though for most of us, they are difficult. But when we are focused on on the new nature and we are seeking and understanding God's incredible love for us, these kind of acts of gratitude become simpler. Why? Why? Because when we grasp God's love, God's redemption, the Holy Spirit's power in us to take care of us beyond seeing just the things that we believe we lack, when our focus stays above and brings us joy and hope and satisfaction regardless of the circumstance of the moment. So are we grateful today for the love, the grace, and the mercy of Jesus Christ? Again, when our focus is set on things above, then we get that taste for the better things. We no longer desire the things of the earth and we, we put to death the old nature. 
And those old desires then are replaced by the things that are from above as we put on the new nature and live out the love of Christ. And that new nature that we put on changes the way we think, it changes the way we act, it changes the way we interact with one another. The new nature rejects the idolatry and selfishness of our internal focus. The new nature calls us and leads us in other-centricness. I know that's not a word, but it is now. Leads us in other-centricness as we love Jesus first. We love those around us second and look to our own desires last. In the new nature, we bear with and and forgive one another in Christ-like love as we gratefully respond to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding in our daily lives. Church family, let us be a people of the new nature. May our love for Jesus be so overwhelming that the ways of our old nature just start to seem grotesque to us. And may our central desire be to love Jesus Christ above all else so that we might grow in the maturity of the Holy Spirit. Let us know the incredible joy and peace and satisfaction of faithful obedience to the Lord. And let us share the hope of salvation as the messengers of God's love in the way that we think and act every single day and in every situation. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for who you are. And again, we just thank you for the ways you have loved us, for the ways you have forgiven us, the ways you've, you bear with us in our, our brokenness, our selfishness our frailty, our sin. And Lord, we repent of the ways that we have run from you, the ways we have tried to do things our own way. Instead, we run back to you. We throw those old clothes at your feet, those things that don't fit. We rejoice in gratitude that we are able to put on that new nature. Father, as we prepare now to go into the world around us, we ask that you continue that work of of molding us, of shaping us, of, of, of putting us in the new clothes, making us the men and women you have created us to be so that we might be able to celebrate in new and incredible ways the blessings of being your children. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And in your great and awesome name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.